It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 367 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Loot Boxes. It is July 8, 2022, and this is Jen. I've got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about that's Uh, Some of it's connected and some of it's not so connected, but you'll see as I get there. The first thing that I want to talk about is the Realm Maintenance podcast, episode number 324. Ease invited me to be interviewed on that episode uh, and asked me a lot of questions about Shattered Soulstone's past and the different games and all kinds of stuff. And so that's live now. And in addition, after my interview section was done, he also interviewed Josh Corbett from the Countdown to Classic podcast. So there's a lot of, I I listened through to the whole thing and I, I knew what I'd said, you know, I knew that, but I wanted to listen to what Josh said too. And I found it really interesting, even though I don't play classic WoW much lately, uh, if at all. I'm kind of obviously deeply into the Diablo stuff more so, but he just had a lot to say, and it was just a really interesting view at um, how he runs his show with like a group of people, and that it's really long, like two-hour episodes, so check that out if you want to hear what he had to say, and maybe go visit his podcast too. One other thing I want to point out that was posted on playoverwatch.com which is a Blizzard thing. Um, They're doing an Overwatch Pride celebration. They are teaming with Twitch rivals in support of the Trevor Project. This was posted on July 7 of 2022. As you know, the Trevor Project is the world's largest suicide prevention and mental health organization for LGBTQ people. And they actually spelled it out, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning young people. Uh, The organization works to save young lives by providing support through free and confidential suicide prevention and crisis intervention programs on platforms where young people spend their time. So the tournament dates are going to start on July 12 from 2 to 7 p.m. PDT. There's going to be different groups in here. There's a list of the team captains. You can group up there if you want to get in on that. And everything I talk about is going to be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com so you can find out more if you'd like to. There's an article from the New York Times that I heard about but hadn't really focused on until I watched a video from Rex Antarax about it. So I'm going to read you the article a little bit here. He goes over this article in his little video. It's it's kind of a short video and uh, I think he had some interesting takes on it. So I'll show you where that one is shortly. But this one is titled, Blizzard's new boss wants to have fun with games, but first his company is in a crisis. This is written by Todd Martins on July 6th. I'll read you just a little bit of this. Mike Ybarra is a man chosen to lead in a historic moment. His Blizzard Entertainment has been singled out. That's a weird way to start that sentence. His Blizzard Entertainment has been singled out as a symbol of the male-dominated gaming community's worst impulses, specifically those that include boorish, frat-boy-like traits. Alleged inequities and harassment at the company were the centerpiece of an ongoing 2021 lawsuit filed by the state of California that painted the firm and its Activision Blizzard parent as paragons of a broken sexist industry. Even Blizzard 
Richards' attempts at damage control blew up in its face. Yabara's August 2021 promotion to help right the ship was met with controversy when the first female co-leader of the company left amid reports of unequal pay. There'd be uh, Jen O'Neill, if you remember. So here's some questions they asked him. Uh, Making games is time-consuming, costly, and difficult, but changing a culture, perhaps that's a near-impossible task. Quote, no doubt this has impacted people. Yabara, who was named president this February, says of Blizzard's recent history, it has impacted morale. Yabara, who calmly answered questions for 45 minutes about Blizzard's reputation and how to change it, says he welcomes the challenge. He's soft-spoken but direct in his words, nodding, smiling, and eager to talk about his game obsessions. He begins a conversation by praising Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge and says the art style of the action genre mashup Neon White has him smitten. For now, his non-Blizzard game opinions will have to wait. His company is in a crisis." Quote, we're committed to changing our culture, said Yubara, 47, who has the unenviable task of restoring stature to a firm whose atmosphere was forged long before he joined in 2019. Quote, we've had a tough two and a half years, Yubara said. We're listening to our employees. I've always firmly believed that when there's good culture across teams, creative excellence flows. Excellence flows. So now I call our culture team Team Zero. Yubara is eager to talk about the culture team and the new hires leading it, as well as the tweaks and pledges Blizzard has made in its first few in his first few months as president. He hopes the new measures will once again make the company worthy of the plaques outside its Irving headquarters, pledging inclusivity, trust, and personal responsibility. Phrases that oh, that's usually like split up because of missing comma. Um, phrases that surround a giant statue of a World of Warcraft orc. At stake, however, is more than whether one of the best known names in gaming, also home to Diablo and Overwatch, can show it under understands the meaning of the word maturity. And there's a picture here of several hundred Activision employees that staged a walkout last summer. I'll give you a little bit more. Workplace and popular cultures in recent years have been put on blast, spurred in part by the Black Lives Matter and hashtag MeToo movements. The lawsuit levied at Activision Blizzard is one of the biggest entertainment stories of this young decade. It showed that the gaming industry could no longer operate below the radar of more established Hollywood peers. The case was seen as forcing the game company to have more open discussions about its hiring practices, salaries, once rebellious reputation, sexual harassment, and workplace abuse. Quote, talk about walking into a fire, says Andrew Erkwitz, an interactive media analyst with investment firm Jeffries of Yabara's assignment. Um, then it talks about the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission uh, filing, to which uh, the company's board of directors stated they found no evidence that executives, quote, intention- intentionally ignored or attempted to downplay harassment claims. Such a statement contradicted a bombshell Wall Street Journal report, which I've read about uh, on this show, that argued Activision Blizzard's top leader, Bobby Kotek, was aware of egregious sexual harassment allegations, including the, protec- the protection of an executive whom human resources recommended be terminated. I'm pretty sure it was from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, they did say that in there. So there we are. The California Department of Fair Employment and Housing's 2021 lawsuit would be seen as the impetus that drove Microsoft to seek to acquire Activision Blizzard, a pending deal worth $68.7 billion that could see Kotech walk away from the company with millions. And we get into Diablo Immortal quite a bit further down in this very long article that I'm not going to read the entire thing uh, about uh, here, but as I said, I always link to it so you can see more. So here's stuff about Diablo Immortal. 
Bringing a game like Diablo Immortal to the market is why, in part, Ybarra joined the brand, founded by three UCLA students in Irvine in 1991. He says that when he joined Blizzard as a senior executive, he recognized, even as an outsider, that a change needed to come. Quote, it's not about the position, the money, or anything like that, Ybarra says. This is more personal for me. These games, Ybarra said, have connected me with my best friends, lifelong friends, goes on and on about playing World of Warcraft and some other stuff. Uh, Diablo Immortal won't be one of those impactful games without some hitches. Since launching, the game has reignited a debate over monetization efforts and whether randomized items incur- encourage predatory gambling-like behavior. The central argument is that it can be expensive to pro- progress deep into the game, especially if one desires to compete with other players. Quote, when we think about monetization at the very highest level it was, quote, how do we give a free Diablo experience to hundreds of millions of people where they can literally do 99.5% of everything in the game, Yabara says. Now, I'm going to point you soon to Rex Antarax's video where he talks about this, and he has a lot more to say about it that's more um, on point than this article definitely talks about, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'll, I'll give you that in a bit, but another thing, I'll just read you two more paragraphs here. In a follow-up email, a Blizzard spokesperson noted that the vast majority of players are not spending money, although the company declined to offer specific stats. Yabara says Blizzard is well aware of the gripes, but will defend the title by citing its high rating and 110,000 plus user reviews on Apple's App Store, implying the complaints are not reflective of the broader game-playing community. Additionally, the company says it has collected data that tells it about 50 cents, uh, 50 cents, 50% of immortal players are new to the Blizzard ecosystem. Quote, the monetization comes in at the end game, Yabara said. The philosophy was always to lead with great gameplay and make sure that hundreds of millions of people can go through the whole campaign without any costs. From that standpoint, I feel really good about it as an introduction to Diablo. And it it goes on from here, which is, you know, a thing. Now, the Los Angeles Times tends to hide things behind a paywall. I was able to get this one before that point. But if you can't read it, I'm also going to put in a link to the exact same article from msn.com that uh, a lot of times MSN has a partnership or something like this to put website websites content from other websites onto msn's like news thing so um i'll put it there but these things don't stick around forever so if you can't get to the la times one you can probably try the msn one for at least a limited time speaking of problems and uh, frat boy culture and such at blizzard activision king a better abk the abk workers alliance uh wrote this thread on twitter In light of the recent attacks on the civil liberties of our employees, the employee-led Committee Against Sex and Gender Discrimination has scheduled a walkout action on July 21, 2022. We are calling for protection of several communities of marginalized workers. Employees are actively facing state legislation that is putting women, LGBTQ plus employees, and their families at risk with other vulnerable groups on the horizon. Our walkout demands focus on the protections of ABK employees from external threats like the recent overturn of Roe v. Wade and internal threats such as retaliation and harassment while in the workplace. For background on why this walkout is being held, the company's current health care policies do not adequately protect the workers of ABK. The presently offered $4,000 reimbursements for out-of-state medical care currently leave employees open to legal prosecution in their home state. Travel reimbursements do not remove workers from imminent danger. Our demands ensure that workers' safety, affordability, 
Workers safely, affordability, and legally maintain access to life-saving procedures like abortions and trans-affirming health care. In the past, we have attempted to work with management to address issues of this nature, but over the past year, we have had our concerns dismissed. Dis- demonstrations of this level have been proven to be the most effective solution to this problem. Two months ago, the Committee Against Sex and Gender Discrimination delivered a list of demands to company leadership for the protection of marginalized groups. Rather than meeting with us when we went public with these demands, they chose to respond to media outlets and there's a bit more in here as well uh, which I'll leave you to read but um, that's what's going on so there's going to be a walkout on July 21st of Blizzard Activision King workers who want better health care basically you know um, with less risk and all of the things that I just mentioned in here while reading that off NME wrote a little bit about this on July 8th uh, in an article titled Activision Blizzard staff announced walkout to end gender inequity Um, I don't know if there's anything in here that's got more to say than what that is. They did embed a couple of the first two tweets in the thing that I read you. So yeah, that's just another one if you want to do that. If you're not on Twitter or something like that, you can probably get the same information there. Dot Esports also wrote something about this and I think it's I think it's pretty much the same kind of thing. So you can like pick which one you like best, I suppose. So here comes the thing about loot boxes and and other sorts of things going on here uh, with other countries and how they're viewing gaming. So gamesindustry.biz wrote an article titled Quebec devs fear new language law will hurt local games industry. Now I first heard about this article through one of Riker's videos where he talked about it um, but there's a little more in here. It's I'll just read you a little bit from this so that you can get an idea. Uh, Bill 96 requires immigrants to access government services only in French after six months, businesses to draft contracts in French. So here's a little bit. Changes to Quebec's language laws that were adopted last month have game developers in the province worried about an impact on the local scene, according to a CBC report. The legislation, Bill 96, will make French the province's sole official language, instituting a number of changes that could make the province a less desirable destination for development talent. One of the requirements of Bill 96 is that immigrants to Quebec who don't speak French will only be able to access most government services in their first language for six months. After that time, they must access services in French. Services in English will be restricted to those who attended English schools in Quebec or elsewhere in Canada. Um, So the concept seems to be that this is going to make people who do not speak French or are not in the process of already, you know, kind of learning it uh, to want to work for, you know, gaming companies and such in Quebec. Um, And that could be a problem for people that like just want to make games and things like that. Towards the end, it says the Office for the Protection of the French Language, which was established by Bill 96, told the CBC that all sectors must contribute to the effort to ensure the sustainability of our official and common language. And again, um, Riker had a video. I don't think I have it in here, but I will put it in the show notes where he talked about this in depth and with more background information than I can give you because I'm not from Canada and I don't speak French. So, um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll get that one into the show notes and you can check that out from there as well. Uh, Variety has an article shifting gears here a little bit. E3 sets return to LA in 2023 after three year hiatus. 
So here's what they wrote. It's game back on for E3. After a three-year absence, E3, historically the game industry's biggest confab, oh my, all these little weird phrases, is, is scheduled to return to the Los Angeles Convention Center the second week of June 2023. The Entertainment Software Association, the trade group that runs the convention, also announced a partnership to produce E3 2023 with ReadPop, the event production company behind PAX, New York Comic Con, Star Wars Celebration and others. After the convention in 2022 was can- sorry 2020 was canceled because of COVID, ESA held an all virtual E3 2021 from June 12th through 15, 2021. This year's convention was canceled altogether after scrapping the in-person LA event over ongoing concerns about the spread of the coronavirus. ESA said it wouldn't host a virtual show either in 2022 and would focus on quote delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. It's probably good that they decided not to have a in-person conference at the time that they said that they decided to cancel it because of the spread of coronavirus. It looks like they're going to have an in-person event, but also a digital event. So I think that's the way to go with these things from here on out, because we're still in a pandemic. There's still new variants appearing. There will always be a lot of us like me who have terrible immune systems and are very, very likely to get sick in an in-person conference. Um, And that's something to think about if someone in your household or someone that you love is immune compromised that if you go to one of these you might want to quarantine a bit to make sure you don't spread that to someone whose body can't keep up with it as well as yours so i'm hoping that the virtual event will be you know at least as good as what we've had in the past from uh blizzard virtual you know ticket kind of things going on um i won't be attending any in-person shows until things calm down and if that's never then i'll just use the virtual one instead and stay safe because honestly i don't I I can get sick really quickly. It can be bad. I'm hearing a lot about certain strains of coronavirus that are bad for even healthy people. I mean, that's kind of obvious, but some of these strains hit you harder. And I do not see the United States working on things to be better in a manner that would help people like me specifically. So... Anyway, uh, Games Industry Biz also has an article titled PAX Organizer Read Pop to Run E3 2023. It's a little bitty article in here. It's got uh, probably the same quote from the other one, but you can pick whichever one you like. And now we're getting into the Microsoft Activision Blizzard merger. The uh, Competition and Markets Authority Cases uh, website on gov.uk is looking into this. And so there was an invitation to comment about this, uh, about, uh, let's see, it closes on July 20, 2022. And this is what they're writing. Here's kind of a little description. They're, they're not very wordy in this one, which is fine. Invitation to comment closes on 20 July, 2022. 6 July, 2022, the Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, is considering whether it is or may be the case that this transaction, if carried into effect, will result in the creation of a relevant merger situation under the merger provisions of the Enterprise Act 2002, and if so, whether the creation of that situation may be expected to result in a substantial lessening of competition within any market or markets in the United Kingdom for goods or services. I'm going to guess services might 
deal with like loot boxes or access to the game or something. Or maybe that's the goods part. It's not clear. They didn't really write, write a lot about this. Uh, to assist with this assessment, the CMA invites comments on the transaction from any interested party. These comments should be provided by the deadline set out above, which is July 20, 2022. There's where you can contact them to send them that stuff. Uh, Gizmodo has a little more details. UK antitrust investigation is latest Microsoft-Activision acquisition speed bump. Uh, this was written on Wednesday of this week. Microsoft announced its nearly $69 billion purchase of massive gaming company Activision Blizzard in January, but the road to acquisition hasn't been smooth for the two companies, and the deal isn't sealed yet. Talks about the speed bump from the CMA in the UK. Uh, CMA investigations work in stages, and today's announcement marks the start of phase one. So I read that to you. There's a quote here from that thing. And, and in less impenetrable legal ease language, regulators are trying to decide if Microsoft, the third largest tech company buying and merging with Activision Blizzard, the fifth largest gaming company, would push others out of the market, i.e., would it mean a monopoly? For context, if the deal were to go through, it would be... It would be one of the largest tech mergers ever. Activision Blizzard is the company behind generation-defining gaming hits like Call of Duty franchise, World of Warcraft, and even Candy Crush. Meanwhile, Microsoft already has Xbox. With Activision under its belt, the company would, by its own admission, become, quote, the world's third largest gaming company by revenue behind Tencent and Sony. That's a quote. It's been clear from the start that there would be antitrust concerns, so the UK's announcement is no surprise. The threshold for a CMA investigation is reached when either the UK gross revenue or the company being acquired exceeds 70, uh, 70 million pounds or when the resulting company would account for 25% or more of all UK sales in that sector. The Federal Trade Commission started up its own investigation months ago. So far, no findings from either probe have been announced. However, either regulatory agency could shut down the deal or demand that it be downsized in some way. So there's that. Then it goes into all the other stuff that's happened at Blizzard that is not so good. There's an article here on Games Radar Plus. Two more countries are tightening restrictions on loot boxes. Spain and the Netherlands have both recently put forward bills to restrict or straight up ban the in-game mechanic. And I'll read you that. Spain and the Netherlands are attempting to place tighter restrictions on loot boxes and gotcha mechanics in games. So that's gotcha mechanics you think about mostly like mobile kind of games with those sort of things. Like, oh, you want to progress? Well, you have to pay for this, you know, this kind of thing. Um, one can argue back and forth whether or not Diablo Immortal is this sort of thing, but that's not what this article is about. So yesterday, and this was written on uh, about a week ago, actually, I think I missed it last time around. Uh, or it showed up after the last uh, Shattered Soulstone came out. Um, yesterday, a new motion was submitted to the House of Representatives to ban the use of loot boxes in the Netherlands due to them essentially being a form of gambling and manipulating children into purchasing microtransactions. Over in Spain, a new bill was recently put forward that proposes tighter restrictions on loot boxes and gacha rather than outwardly banning them for similar reasons. As pointed out in some thread from Resetera, the new bill in Spain aims to bring in tighter restrictions on loot boxes and gacha by requiring players to provide official proof of age, implementing mandatory spending limits, and requiring developers to disclose percentage chances. Those who do not comply with the new bill can be apparently be fined anywhere from 25 to 100... Uh, there's a little... I don't know the 
how to describe this currency, but it's obviously the one used in Spain. For the Netherlands, the government is proposing a much harsher rule that would ban the use of loot boxes completely within the country. This would obviously have clear ramifications for the likes of Genshin Impact or Overwatch, which both feature loot boxes and gacha mechanics. Um, it seems like both of these moves aren't necessarily a bad thing to gamers, though, in the Resetera thread, which they've linked to in this article, as, uh, as well as another one that they're talking about. The majority com of comments underneath suggest that most people are in favor of some kind of ban or more restrictions coming into place. Some people have even suge suggested that these rules should come into place across more countries, not just the ones named above, but also outside of Europe, too. So there's that going on. Now, when I think about this, um, there are... Uh, things you could technically call loot boxes in Nintendo's Pocket Camp game, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. The, they have these little, like, they look like fortune cookies and they're huge compared to your character. And you can choose to buy one of those with an in-game currency that you can earn or you can purchase. I've never purchased it, but you can earn it from just doing, like, their little events and stuff like that. And every time you look at one of those it shows you the items you could potentially get from that particular fortune cookie but it also shows you the percentages there's a thing you can look at that just shows you this is your percentage chance of getting that one particular thing and you can kind of look and see which thing you are most likely to get and make a decision on if you want to spend your in-game you know uh i think they're called leaf tickets currency uh for that so i think that one's handling it pretty well and i think especially because this is a game that children might be playing you know i think it's i think they're doing at least something that gives you the opportunity to make an educated choice on is this a good idea for me to, for me to buy this one and how lucky will I be like how lucky do I have to be to get that one thing that I want you know that kind of thing but that's not how it is in these other games so you know okay there's um a CNBC article also talking about the Activision uh Microsoft merger and it doesn't really say much beyond the rest but I try to give you some choices of which article you want to look at Moving on to some other weird things. This is actually, uh, it was posted in June 27th, um, and it's been updated. It's from IGN. It says, Valorant is planning to monitor voice chat. Tests begin next month with other Riot games to follow. So that's kind of a thing there. Um, people do use, like, I think for me personally and the people I know, if we're going to play a game together of any kind, we'll just get on Discord and route it through there because it tends to be better than trying to do it within the game. But, you know, whatever. So this is written, uh, as I said, on June 27. Riot Games will begin testing its voice chat monitoring technology in Valorant next month, which would be this month because this was the 27th of June and we're in July uh, as part of a wider strategy to combat quote disruptive behavior in its games there's apparently a blog post here from Riot let's see what that has to say Valorant voice evaluation update as part of a larger effort to com to combat disruptive behavior, Riot Games recently updated its privacy notice and terms of service to allow us to record and evaluate in-game voice communications when a report for that type of behavior is submitted with the goal of kicking this off in Valorant first. 
first. There'll be more. Earlier this year, we also mentioned that as a part of our current game systems that combat disruptive behavior, voice evaluation would provide a way to collect clear evidence that could verify any violations of behavioral policies before we can take any action. This would also help us share back to players why a particular action resulted in a penalty. On July 13, we will begin a background launch of the voice evaluation system in North America slash English only to help train our language models and get the tech in a good enough place for a beta launch later this year. Voice evaluation during this period will not be used for disruptive behavior reports that will only begin with the future beta. And we ne- we know that before we can even think of expanding this tool, we'll have to be confident it's effective. And if mistakes happen, we have systems in place to make sure we can correct any false positives or negatives for that matter. This is brand new tech and there will be there will for sure be growing pains, but the promise of a safer and more inclusive environment for everyone who chooses to play is worth it. I see problems with this. I'm sure some of you do as well. I don't think most people want to have their voice recorded while they're playing a video game. It's one thing for, like, say, if someone's being a jerk in, I don't know, say, World of Warcraft or something or any of the other games. It's usually done in text because, like, there's not a lot of options within the game itself to do voice chat. You know, that's why people use Discord when they want to, like, group up and stuff like that. It looks like uh, Riot Games here wants to add this voice recording thing to all of its games. It's just starting with Valorant. Um, There are some problems with this. For example, if you live in California, you have to actually give permission to someone before they're allowed to record you. You're not allowed to record a California person without their knowledge. There's laws about this. I think other states might have something like this too. And so that way, you know, you know whether or not you're being recorded. Now, I don't think think simply changing the terms of service would override laws like the one California has. So that's that's kind of a thing. They could be in trouble for that kind of, you know, that kind of thing. I don't think you could say, well, our terms of service said we're going to do this because that's the company saying we are going to do this to you. That's not allowing a California person to uh, say, no, I don't want this and to be ap- able to opt out. If they do this, I think they're going to get pushbacks from a lot of people about it. I think people will choose just to not play the game than to be recorded because that's kind of an invasion of privacy because of all the reasons I just said. There's an article here from Game Developer and it's titled, More Developers Are Pushing Back Against Player Toxicity. And there's a couple of examples that they put in here. Uh, two recent examples in game development may, ha- may have, wow, two recent examples in game development development have may show i think there's an editing error in here that this trend is expanding the first comes from god of war ragnarok developer sony santa monica in late june a series of ultimately untrue rumors indicated that the game's release date would be announced on june 30 2022 when that day didn't come feverant fans began sending angry messages to developers some were some even sent sexually explicit messages demanding information on the release date producer Corey bar 
Barlog first tried to quell fan anger with a message from his personal account, but a few days later, the studio released a statement on Twitter on its Twitter account decrying the toxic fan messages. They wrote this from Santa Monica Studio, God of War Ragnarok. Every single person at Santa Monica Studio is working to create a game that we're proud of, one that we will that we hope you will enjoy playing once released. Our fans inspire us, and we understand the passion and desire for more information, but that passion should not be toxic or come at the expense of any human being's dignity. Let's celebrate our community by treating each other, every gamer and developer alike, with respect. Someone's wondering if that was an isolated incident. I may be the writer of this. Uh, maybe, but earlier today, the developers of Hypercharge posted a similar statement saying it's not okay to hurl abuse at us and demand a release date. That's literally what their tweet said. And then there's a box of text, which also the, the previous one had a box of text. And it says this, it deeply saddens me having to write this. However, I feel now is the time to speak up. It is not okay to send threats, abusive, toxic, foul-mouth messages demanding an answer for a release date. For those who don't know, I am the entire marketing department for Hypercharge. This includes public relations, community management, customer relations, and more. It's a lot to take on, and it would be a lie if I told you the toxicity doesn't get me down sometimes because it does. We as developers are not robots. Like you, we are human beings with feelings. We laugh, we cry, and sometimes eat cake and pizza while doing all of the above. But seriously, we're just trying to do the best we can. I completely understand the excitement and eagerness wanting Hypercharge to launch on Xbox. Rest assured, it will happen. Hopefully Xbox do not mind me saying this, but they are just wonderful people. They have reached out to us on multiple occasions about our plans and hy for Hypercharge and have been nothing but supportive. They are watching us and the hype. There are two reasons we will not give a release date the first we don't have one the second we're not a big team five indie devs and want to give xbox players the best version of hypercharge possible but this takes time once you are comfortable with where we once we are comfortable with where we are in development and with our marketing department we'll let you know uh, and eta until then to our xbox fans who inspire and motivate us we love you <laughs> So there's that. Uh, apparently, Naughty Dog Studios pushed back against fans harassing developers who were angry over the game's plot. Earlier this year, DICE pulled back from engaging in the Battlefield 2042 subreddit after fans targeted developers with death threats. Just a few days ago, and this one's really sad, uh, Return to Monkey Island developer Ron Gilbert ceased his blogging about the game's development after having to moderate an untamable flow of hateful messages from fans bitter about the game's art direction. We also saw a different version of this pushback from employees at Activision Blizzard who are demanding that their management better protect customer support and company management developers who receive increased abuse whenever bad news hits the company. So that's a thing that's happening. Um, you know, basically from this, like I'm going to assume that the majority, if not all of you listening to Shattered Soulstone or who have in the past or who might come into the future here and maybe pick up this episode, you know, after that, I think most of you are probably good people that aren't going to go and harass the developers and customer service and send death threats and all this kind of stuff. I'm hoping that's true. I believe it's true. But there are people apparently who just cannot control themselves and feel more entitled to harass people through an internet interface. Uh, where they're perfectly safe and anonymous, and that sucks. And I really think that that's got to stop because you're ruining people's lives. I mean, imagine the stress from that, getting that every day from stuff you can't control exactly. You know, that's terrible. 
In more exciting news, Nineball did an episode of West March Workshop, episode 226. It's called We've Got Even More to Talk About. Uh, he did a solo show with this one, which is not uncommon, and um, it's about an hour and 27 minutes long. I haven't watched it yet because I wanted to make sure I got it into this show, and then I'll watch it because I know it's going to be good and interesting. So you can check that out on Twitch. And again, links will be in the show notes. There's an update from Heroes of the Storm, but you're not going to like it if this is your favorite game, unfortunately. This just went out today on July 8th, and I'll just read this short post to you. This June marks the seven-year anniversary of Heroes of the Storm, combining legendary characters from all of our universes. It naturally brought players together into a truly unique experience. Heroes and its community are home to some of the most passionate gamers from around the world, and we're committed to making sure that you can continue to enjoy your adventures through the Nexus. Here's the part that's going to make people cry. Moving forward, we will support heroes in a manner similar to our other long-standing games, StarCraft and StarCraft II. In the future, we'll continue seasonal roles and hero rotations, and while the in-game shop will remain operational, there are no plans for new for-purchase content to be added. Future patches will primarily focus on client sustainability and bug fixing, with balance updates coming as needed. As a token of our appreciation, we are gifting the incredibly rare Epic Arcane Lizard mount to all players with next week's patch. To our Heroes community, we say thank you. You continue to be one of our most passionate communities. We're grateful for your continued dedication and support, and as always, we look forward to seeing you in the Nexus. Pez Radar, also known as Adam Fletcher on Twitter, but Pez Radar, he is the community, uh, global community lead for Diablo, Diablo Immortal, and Blizz Heroes at Blizzard Entertainment. He loves this game. I'm going to read you a little bit from a tweet he posted about it. Heroes of the Storm holds a very special place in my heart. I feel like I've gone through all the ups and downs, but the one thing I know is that the team that built and created it over the years and the community are some of the most resilient out there. He says, I literally play it every single day. It is my go-to with friends. It creates the most laughs, parentheses, and rage, LOL, but it has always been a blast. I wouldn't be surprised if it is coming close to my top played game from Blizzard in terms of playtime. He goes on from there, and he does include a tweet with a picture of of the arcane chaos lizard it looks like it's huge but it's just by itself so I, I don't have any perspective on how big it is it's got a lot of spikes it's very purple um it's got a little saddle for you to put your character on and run around in there and it's just kind of neat so um i think this is a game that people loved i did play it in like an alpha i think maybe a beta way back in the day and um, it had some fun with it. I think somebody on Twitter was giving away the Kaju Diablo skin, and I, you know, it was like tweet and hope you get it. And I got it from that person. Maybe other people did too. I haven't played it since. I've been, you know, obviously really busy with Diablo stuff and, and things like that. But um, it's always sad when a beloved game is getting essentially sunsetted. You know, like it'll still be there. You can still do it, but this is, you know, all you're going to get. But if the point is to play with friends. That might be enough for some people, you know. Speaking of Blizzard Entertainment uh, games, um, they have posted a thing called Downloads, so you can see what games are available for you based on what your um, 
system is. Like if I, I play on a Mac, other people play on a PC, most other people play on a PC. So there's a list of Blizzard games here that are going to tell me whether or not I can uh, play this game on my Mac. Okay. So World of Warcraft, yes. Hearthstone, yes. Overwatch, no. It's never been available for Mac. I'm not surprised by this. Diablo Immortal, not available for Mac. Now they're talking about the computer interface, not the mobile interface because I've been playing it on that. Uh, Diablo 3 is available for Mac. StarCraft 2, StarCraft Remastered. Warcraft 3 Reforged is on a Mac. I did not know that. And Heroes of the Storm is on a Mac, because that's where I was playing it. I cannot play the Blizzard Arcade Collection on a Mac. Now, for partner games, um, this is all uh, Activision stuff, so it's a lot of the Call of Duty games, and none of them are available on a Mac. You can do the Battle.net desktop app on a Mac. Um, there's a bunch of mobile games that are not available on a Mac computer, but obviously if I wanted to do, you know, those games, I would go on to something mobile, which is what they're designed for. Uh, Diablo 2 is not available for a Mac, uh, but I'm playing Diablo 2 Resurrected. I need to get back to that on an Xbox. Uh, Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction, not available on a Mac, but I could apparently play World of Warcraft 3 The Frozen Throne, World of Warcraft 3 Reign of Chaos... Uh, whatever Blackthorn is, I guess that's available for Mac. Um, I cannot play Lost Vikings or Rock and Roll Racing on there. And I'm going to assume if I switch this to Windows, I'm going to see everything pop up as playable. Yeah, absolutely everything is playable on Windows. So <laughs> so that's the thing, I guess. Um, it's honestly more than I expected I'd be able to play on a Mac. But yeah, this is primarily geared for people who play on PC computers and some of the stuff is mobile as we know. Okay, so here's an article from Kotaku and it's talking about Diablo Immortal. I'm going to kind of shift into that uh, here. And it's titled, Despite Backlash, Diablo Immortal is making a million dollars a day. According to app tracking data, Blizzard's free-to-play action RPG earned nearly $2.5 million in a day. I'll read you a little bit of this. In its first month of release, Blizzard's controversial new mobile game, Diablo Immortal, has racked up nearly $50 million in reported revenue across 10 million downloads. Even as debates and criticisms swirled around the free-to-play RPG, data shows that the game has made at least a million dollars a day since launch. As first reported by MobileGamer.biz, data from App Magic seems to indicate that Blizzard's Diablo spin-off is raking in the cash. According to the data, in the game's first week, it was downloaded 6.85 million times. By July 3rd, that number increased to 10.35 million downloads. And while not all of these players likely stuck around or spent money, enough players did that on June 11, Immortal racked up $2.4 million in revenue, its best day so far. 30 days after release, Immortal has earned 48 million 900 oh god no 48 billion it looks like uh 998,970 dollars million i don't know i'm terrible with numbers but it's there and you can find it in the show notes according to app magic's data uh, keep in mind that all of these numbers don't include the PC version of the game. Also, AppMagic's data is based on what developers earn after Apple and Google take their cuts. So with that in mind, it's very likely that Diablo Immortal's total revenue is far higher than the reported $48.9 million this, da- this data shows. For many of you reading this, it's probably not the news you wanted to hear, uh, which, you know, there we are. Talks a little bit about the controversies in there. Uh, this writer says... Uh, 
uh, puts a question mark that says me question mark while I acknowledge some of the absurd drop rates in Immortal it has remained a perfect time killer for me and now that my fiance, fiance this writer says has picked up the game on her new phone we chill in bed when we first wake up on weekends and kill demons together for an hour or two like any good couple should I haven't gotten a five star gem yet this writer says but I also don't really care and it goes on a little bit from there now I found out about the Kotaku article because of a video from Echo Gaming and it's on YouTube and it's titled Diablo Immortal is making a million dollars a day and it's not presented as a uh, this is bad or this sucks kind of video. I think what he said in it was looking at the bright side of things and talking about that, you know, there are a lot of players that um, are playing and they're not paying anything. I haven't paid anything yet. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I don't tend to throw a lot of money at things. But, you know, he, he put a little bit in because he specifically wanted to make content out of it for his videos. Uh, nothing... You know, nothing like people that had spent, like, all of their money in this game. You know, just enough to do the videos he wanted to do, which is totally valid. But he also seemed, in my opinion, to say that it's totally okay if you just want to play through it and not spend anything. That's fine. Um, so it's kind of a positive take on Diablo Immortal, which I haven't seen a lot of. So I definitely felt like that was worth including. In addition, uh, Rod Ferguson, who is the SVP GM of the Diablo franchise at Blizzard, tweeted this tweet. It might be connected to another one, but I couldn't find the first one. Uh, it says this. Also worth noting, there will be two Diablo Immortal updates in July. The first one will be mainly a Battle Pass update that also includes some small changes and, bu and bug fixes. The second update scheduled for later in July will be our first major content update. So that's two content updates this month in July that are going to be happening. One of the comments I see is from Echo Gaming responding in a positive way. Some people, of course, are not very happy about this. Uh, some would like to see it on whatever a M1 Mac support is. Um, I don't know what that is. I've had Macs for a long time, and I'm not really sure what that is. Someone wants a Steam Deck controller support, and then it's, there are also questions about the monetization. But this is, you know, a relatively new game, really. It hasn't been out that long, um, and there's going to be two updates soon. So that's, that's a thing, at least, um, for people that want to keep playing. There's also a post from Blizzard that went out on July 4th. I'm not sure how many people saw it if it was july 4th in the united states i think a lot of people were celebrating um with fireworks and such uh that definitely happened where i live um it's titled diablo immortal your roadmap to hell for july 7 launch in the rest of asia pacific so this isn't even aimed at the united states specifically i guess it is in english i'm going to read you a little bit of this scarn lord of damnation has amassed his battle hungry forces in anticipation of your near arrival to sanctuary in just a few days it will be up to you noble adventurer to scour sanctuary's many locales in search of fragments from the shattered world stone only then will you have a chance in hell of thwarting scarn's nefarious plan now i always like this kind of content from their uh announcements because it feels very like story written and it just sort of puts you a, gives you a little bit of immersion into the game you know to continue, uh, before you begin to traverse the eight expansive zones of Diablo Immortal as a barbarian, crusader, demon hunter, monk, necromancer, or wizard, we've assembled this roadmap to get you ready for hell. And when the time comes, march into Sanctuary unabated. So this rollout is for the rest of the Asia-Pacific launch schedule. As you may recall, 
It was banned in, I want to say, China, I think, because of uh, something that happened on Weibo with the Diablo Immortals official account that seemed to say something negative about the president there. Uh, long story short, you can go back and listen to a previous show if you want more on that, uh, or just read the show notes. That's fine, too. So they're going to roll it out on July 7 at 6 p.m. PDT for iOS, Android, and PC in open beta across the select, select Asian Pacific regions, including Hong Kong, Indonesia, Macau, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Taiwan, and Thailand. As you can see, China is not there. Uh, Immortal will also launch on the same date in Vietnam, but for PC and open beta only. I have no idea why that is, but that's what they're doing. And then there's time uh, conversion stuff if you want to check that out. There's instructions on how to play, um, how to do cross-progression play, things like that, uh, hot fixes and such. There's some frequently asked questions. It also has the rest of Asia-Pacific launch schedule. They wrote this, similar to the rollout for the global launch earlier last month, we prepared to launch Diablo Immortal on July 7 at 6 p.m. PDT for iOS, Android, and PC in open beta across select Asia-Pacific regions, including Hong Kong, Indonesia, Macau, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, Taiwan, and Thailand. Immortal will also launch on the same date in Vietnam, but for PC and open beta only. And then there's a link to where you can find time zone conversions for that. There's stuff they need that we already know about because we've been playing the game for a bit about installation and playing and you know where the server, what the names of the servers are and, and all this kind of stuff. They do have listed um, East Asia traditional Chinese servers, but I don't think people in China have access to this game yet or they would have mentioned it in this. But, you know, there's that. It's got the you know minimum requirements for your phones and such kind of thing. So at least... At least most or a large chunk of Asia, Asia, if not most of Asia, is going to be able to play the game if they want to, you know, except for China, apparently. And I'm kind of wondering um, about, you know, Hong Kong and Thailand, if China considers that part of China or not, and if the people there are going to be able to play it as a result of that kind of, you know, thing happening. There's another post from Blizzard called Diablo Immortals First Post-Launch Content Update, written on July 6th or posted on July 6th. Since taking their, f their first steps in Diablo Immortal, adventurers have vanquished countless demons, loosened the hold of the burning hells over Sanctuary, and tracked down fragments of the shattered world stone. Today, we're excited to share details on our first new content drop since launch and provide a preview of our next batch of new content to come. Before we dig in, let's give you insight into our post-launch content philosophy and address player concerns around in-game bugs and bots. It's our intention for Diablo Immortal to be a game that you can forge friendships over while felling adversaries together and enjoying pl and enjoy playing for many years to come. As we've mentioned in the past, Diablo Immortal will receive frequent content updates, supplying new Heliquary bosses, in-game events, expansions, and more, all of which will be free. The team is constantly monitoring your feedback and are excited to introduce multiple bug fixes with today's content update. We also have a blog dedicated to communicating known issues, which I'll also link to in the show notes, for the PC open beta version of Immortal and when we have implemented hotfixes or patches for these issues. Recently, we have received reports of bots in Diablo Immortal. We are committed to continually monitoring all bot reports and will respond with disciplinary action as needed to ensure these accounts do not create a negative playing experience for our community. If you come across any bots while playing Diablo Immortal, please use the in-game reporting tool to alert us. This ensures we receive the reported play UID. 
So one of the things that's being updated is the Season 2 Battle Pass. It's called Bloodsworn. It's got a red background. I think the other one had a blue background. Uh, the devotees of the Countess, the Wicked Bloodsworn, have risen up in revolt throughout the Dark Wood. A new battle pass devoted to the Bloodsworn's valor has arrived, and with it, Season 2 begins on July 7 at 3 o'clock a.m. So I've already missed the server time start, but that's okay. <laughs> the Bloodsworn battle pass is host to 40 ranks worth of challenges and rewards, such as legendary gems, crests, hilts, and more. For adventurers seeking additional treasures from their battle pass ranks, we have two paid versions two two paid versions i think they had two in the beginning one but i don't think i ever really looked at the second one if it was there uh that they can upgrade their battle pass two for the full duration of the season the empowered battle pass and the collector's empowered battle pass it doesn't say how much that costs Empowered Battle Pass includes all rank rewards from the free standard Battle Pass, but also unlocks an empowered track that provides additional rewards at each rank. Plus, you'll receive the Fearsome Bloodsworn Weapon Cosmetic unlocked at rank 1, and the Thorn-Covered Bloodsworn Armor Cosmetic unlocked at rank 40. Collector's Empowered Battle Pass gives you access to all rank rewards and cosmetics from the Empowered Battle Pass, plus the Bloodsworn Avatar Frame, Bloodsworn Portal Cosmetic, and a 10-rank boost, all provided immediately after upgrading. The Season 2 Battle Pass only runs until August 4 at 3 o'clock a.m. server time. Begin slaying demons and climbing your way through the ranks today. And then it talks about the Heliquary. So there's a new Heliquary raid boss, uh, Vitath the Shivering Death. There's a really cool painting of this boss. It's just, it's just, I can't even explain it, but you can check it out in the show notes and see all the art and stuff like that. Rayek has located another one, but he's going to need the help of a few hardened adventurers to dispatch this glacial threat. Emerging from the icy depths of the frozen tundra, Vithath, if that's how you say it, Vithath, the Shivering Death will stop at nothing to encase all of Sanctuary in ice. This laconic demon, or maybe it's iconic, I don't know, I don't know what this word is, uh, stalks her prey cloaked in frozen wind and gives chase on wings of ice. She relishes nothing so much as the moment her targets find themselves unable to move. If you have what it takes, assemble your group of battle-ready adventurers, visit Rayek's Heliquary in Westmarch, and bring an end to this... Vithoth's Ice Age of Terror glory and rewards await you upon success. There's a hungering moon of weekend event and it is going to be on July 15 at 3 o'clock a.m. until July 18, 3 o'clock a.m. server time. I'm not really sure what this is. Uh, it's, it seems to be a group up and play kind of thing. Uh, the moon is hungry and it demands blood, perhaps even yours. You, adventurer, gaze upon the moon, bask in its hallowed glow, heed its howl for sustenance and lunar-laced blessings you shall be bestowed. This is awful wordy, you know? This sounds like it's from, like, a start of a horror story or something, you know? Which works, you know? Fulfilling the moon's demands will earn you moon slivers, which can be traded for blessings. After acquiring seven blessings, you will have curried enough goodwill with the moon to trade those in for a random reward. Offer enough blessings to the moon, and it will even present you with its favor. So there's that. What's to come? Um, there's some balance changes here to the wizard and the monk. 
Uh, some bug fix notes in here. Circle of Strife stuff. PC Gamer wrote an article, Diablo Immortals first update brings a new season and battle pass, but players aren't impressed, says whoever wrote this for PC Gamer. Uh, Andy Chalk. He feels there's not a lot to see, apparently. We've got some more details in this one. The second season of Diablo Immortal will include a free 40-rank battle pass, plus two paid versions. The empowered battle pass, which adds a premium reward track to the free stuff, plus two Bloodsworn cosmetics, and the collector's empowered pass, which along with with the previous also includes a Bloodsworn avatar frame, uh, post uh, Bloodsworn Portal cosmetic and an immediate 10 rank boost. The pass will be available until August 4th and assuming pricing doesn't change from Season 1, the Empowered Pass will cost $5 while the Collector's Empowered will go for $15. Talks about the uh, the boss fight thing. This, pitch, this patch is just a start, Blizzard wrote. We've been collecting suggestions and feedback for the game since launch and we look forward to sharing more updates in future patches. The team also released a new class change option which I must have missed, uh, coming in the next update, which will be out later this month. One thing the update studiously avoids is any mention of the controversy surrounding Diablo Immortal's aggressive monetization, which has sparked a brutal backlash from players. It's also very light on new content. All told, the reaction from players on Reddit and the Blizzard forums is not what you'd call wildly enthusiastic. There's some quotes from that there and from some other people. On July 6th, Diablo Immortal tweeted something about a codex update jump into weekly dungeons for increased drop rates on free legendary equipment now rotating is the tomb of fahir and the cavern of echoes uh so that's something to get into and there's a video here from uh lexu who is part of max roll and he at the time of this video was that the video was recorded he was still playing diablo immortal and he was doing this on um it's on youtube so i think he was doing this on youtube somebody jumped into his chat and started debating with him about bots and whales and things of this sort he had a conversation there and then he went back into his video and found things that appear to indicate that a particular player was probably a bot based on the behavior of the player so Maybe the the problem with bots really does exist, and maybe you know Blizzard kind of is going to maybe do something about that. Maybe. And then there's this video from Echo Hack, and it's hysterically funny. It's on Twitch. I honestly I didn't watch the whole thing, so I haven't had time. It's something I'm going to go back to and watch. But he used an AI that writes stories for you, like a you know you start the story and it continues. And he did it. Um, he called it genre Diablo farming simulator and then just put in a couple of sentences and let the AI fill in the rest. And it's just hysterically funny if you want something to laugh at, you know. Um, and the last thing I have in here is from Max Roll. And they wrote um, the PTR for 2.7.4 season 27 overview. That's in um, Diablo 3, I think. Yeah. And so the... You know, the public test realm is up. Um, They have a disclaimer in here. All information presented here is still subject to change during and after the PTR. But you could find, like, what they think about it and their suggestions. They're very knowledgeable about this sort of thing. And there is, in fact, an official thing from the Diablo 3 website about this public test patch. It's going to be a 16-day PTR testing period for the 2.7.4 update. Begins on July 12th. And there's some stuff they're going to have in here. The it, it tells you like 
what to focus on in the PTR and testing tips and stuff. Here's a little bit about season 27. Season 27 introduces a new type of consumable item called angelic crucibles. Once uncovered by Nephilim, these heavenly artifacts can be used to sanctify any equipable legendary item. Sanctifying an item reforges it to have perfect ancient level stats on all apexes while also preserving the item's legendary power. In addition, this process adds one of three new new powers unique to each class. Here's the season theme details. Angelic crucibles and sanctified items can only be acquired in seasonal play and will not transfer to your non-seasonal character when the season ends. That's pretty standard. Angelic crucibles can drop anywhere in Sanctuary at level 70. Players can obtain as many sanctified items as they would like. However, only one sanctified item can be equipped at a time. That's pretty standard too. Uh, Sanctified items can be sanctified again using another angelic crucible. No stats are preserved when sanctifying an item. Only level 70 equipable items can be sanctified. Crafted items cannot be sanctified. Followers cannot equip sanctified items. And then there's some uh, changes to uh, class-specific sanctified powers um, that you could see for every class in here. I'm not going to go through them all because you'll probably find them when you like and keep going. Um, There's a developer's note there. With the Lords of Hell season, we explored what Nephilim would do if they possessed the powers of Hell. This season... Oh, that's... Okay, I get it. That's the one we're probably in. This season... Or what's the previous one? I don't know. Um, This season, we invite players to witness what Nephilim can accomplish with the powers of heaven. Our goal with the 21 unique class powers was to introduce changes to skills that can redefine the way you play a build or set. We're excited to see how players will harness the powers of heaven in season 27. So this is going to run a lot like the one that we did a little bit back. It's not the current one, I don't think about finding the demon shards or, you know, and using that in some way on your gear by, I think, equipping it into a socket or something like that. This is going to be similar, but play out in a different way. Adventure mode is now unlocked for all accounts by default. Players are no longer required to complete the campaign to access adventure mode. That's a huge thing. That's a really huge thing because in the past, you know, I would play through the season as much as I can, depending on time and how my health is and stuff like me personally not my character and um sometimes i wouldn't quite get all the way to 70 sometimes i would i'd get into like paragon and stuff like that but when i got back into the non-season stuff to try to collect the gear you know that was in the uh the stash during the season some of my characters like couldn't go into the adventure mode thing they could pick up the stuff but it was like it was kind of clunky so i'm glad that they're just unlocking adventure mode for all accounts by default so that you could do that. It doesn't mean you're going to be playing in a season like that, but you could actually get into the adventure mode stuff and just do it if you want to just do it that way. That's pretty cool. Default difficulty selection has been updated to be consistent for all players and platforms. All players now have access to normal to Torment 6 difficulties by default, and upon reaching level 70 with the character, players gain access to Torment 7 through Torment 16. Uberboss realms now automatically close 60 seconds after the Uberbosses have been defeated. Additional portals to the same Uberboss realm can now be opened in a single game session. The experience rewarded upon completion of an Echoing Nightmare has been reduced by 83%. Now, I know the Echoing Nightmare thing is in the current 
uh, Diablo 3 game. I haven't had the chance to run into any of that yet. Um, I have heard that they were going to pull it into the non-season game, so that's probably what this is. There's a developer's note in here about that, but I think some of us have been playing know at least a little bit about it. Uh, there's some item changes in here you can check out, um, how to do a character copy and all that whatnot. So that's in there as well, and I think that's all that I have for today. This one might have gone a little bit longer than I intended, but if you missed it or want to hear it again or just read through it, it'll be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com, and I'm going to close out the show now. You have been listening to episode 367 of the Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show's archives at www.ShatteredSoulStone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan in Diablo 3 is named Shattered Soulstone. I don't know if I'll be able to get one in Diablo Immortal, but I'm going to try. Uh, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.